know, there was one very important point I forgot to make on my last episode about artificial intelligence. And it was that when I was younger, years ago now, and I was working on music all the time, I used to think to myself, that would be wild if you could think of a song and it was reality. And we are almost at that point, which is really scary. I mean, we're actually at that point, hence the artificially made songs from artists that don't even have a clue that people are making these songs that sound like they made the song. Anyway, <laughs> I just, I had to throw that in there because that was a point I wanted to make and I didn't. And I've been thinking about that for so long. And I imagine I'm not the only person who's thought that, but it goes back such a ways for me. And the fact that we're there, we're at this point where that can actually happen is very, very simultaneously terrifying and pretty amazing. So there you go. A little bit more artificial intelligence talk for you, but no, today we're getting back to a queen deep dive. Yes, ladies and gents, I'm back with a Queen's song. We are still in Queen's 11th album, The Works, of course, released in 1984. And the last song we spoke about eons ago now at this point, again, I apologize, was It's a Hard Life from Freddie Mercury. And that was track three, quite a beautiful song, if I may say so. And today it is track four. And this is also a Freddie Mercury composition. It's got a lot of spirit and a lot of spunk and even some surprising tenderness given the attitude and the demeanor of this song instrumentally. It's got an interesting contrast. We'll talk all about that. This is dive number 123, if you can believe it. We're in a rockabilly rock and roll blues number with this track number four. And this was the B-side to Queen's Thank God It's Christmas, their Christmas single, which was released November 26 of 84 in the UK. Some interesting backstory behind this song and its decision, well, the decision to make this a B-side of the boys' Christmas single. Christmas? <laughs> it is a day. I'm so sorry. Christmas single. This is, of course, Man on the Prowl. I'm gonna take a little walk on the wild side. I gotta admit, I really love singing this song. And it echoes very much a number we've all heard before, a very beloved number, of course, which was also a Freddie composition. Man on the Prowl in a 4-4 shuffle beat. And if this is really 4-4, here's the thing. The BPM I found said 75 beats per minute. If this is really 4-4, it's got to be double time. So we're talking 150 beats per minute. Pretty good energy here. We are in the key of G major. And this is waiting for you to come home. I know it doesn't sound like it. This is very deceiving. First of all, the title Man on the Prowl. This brings to mind a guy who's kicking it, looking for a good time, going to have a joyful time of it. But really deep down, when you look at the lyrics, you listen to this. We've got that loneliness here. This is another Lonely Freddy song, even though, yes, it's style. It's all rockabilly, a three-chord rockabilly number that features Freddy going all soulful and Elvis again. 
And we have Brian on a Fender Telecaster. Surprise, surprise. This is surface partying. A man, restless, lonely, looking for trouble while he awaits the return of, I guess, his presumably true love. And the rock and soul of this song creates that invigorating energy that calls to mind the earlier beloved number right down to the boogie woogie bass. Yes, crazy little thing called love is all over this. This is yet another tribute track, but perhaps slightly autobiographical. Freddie goes to loneliness a lot, and we know that despite his lifestyle, the partying, the enjoyment of life, this man was often lonely. I think every Every, every person who's been quoted about Queen, about the band, especially those closest to him, has said that Freddie was quite lonely a lot of the time. And this is a straightforward and less imaginative song. Yes, it's not nearly as complex or challenging as many other Queen songs. It's crafted in less of a Queen fashion as well and more of a square structure, that verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Though it does feature live, real drums and claps, and a, that's a hallmark of earlier songs and a very welcome sound and throwback. Despite the predictability and the tired tone, because it echoes Crazy Little Thing Called Love, that song is much more celebrated, of course. The energy here, especially Freddie's, is still contagious and enjoyable. And this feels more like an imitation and less inspired, but it's a convincing throwback sound with Queen's stamp on it. Absolutely. But yes, this does not feel as original. It doesn't feel as genuine as Crazy Little Thing Called Love. That song has the same obvious style, but it's done in a way that I think better infuses Queen's vibe. This just feels like, dare I say it, feels like they're covering another song, even though this is an original composition. There's so much here that harkens back to songs of yesteryear. And I think right down to the Fender Telecaster. And yes, we do hear Brian on his red special towards the end. This still feels like something that the, the boys would have played as a cover song when they would do that at the end of their sets and they would play songs like Jailhouse Rock. This feels like a song like those. But I still enjoy it. It's, it's interesting that way. This, this song still gets me going. And I'll be honest, I usually save my, my opinions until the very end. But I, I feel I can just put this out there right here. I like this more than I used to. When, the first few times I heard this, it didn't get... I, I guess I just didn't get it. It, it, was, it very much felt like, yes... We've heard this before. This isn't original. It's not very complex. And therefore, it doesn't feel very much like Queen. There are lots of songs in Queen's catalog that don't sound like typical Queen. We could pick out any number of them because so many of us are used to, when we think about Queen, first of all, we think about Freddie. We also think about the dynamic rock energy of the band and our, all of their classics. But there was so much more to them. We have all the ballads. We have the funky numbers. We have the very minimalistic, rhythmic, driven songs. And this is another song that doesn't really, it, in its style, it, it's similar in that way, that it doesn't really feel like Queen. But I think in an even bigger way, this feels more distanced 
from what the boys typically do. And I think it's because, again, this sounds like crazy little thing called love, and it sounds like a cover song. It just does. And perhaps that's why this was not chosen as a single and included as a B-side. And it was never played live. Never played live. It's the first song on the works to never appear on a stage. And I get it. I get it. Crazy Little Thing Called Love would inevitably beat this out if they were going to play a song that had a boogie-woogie bass and had the rockabilly style. Of course that song's going to win. That, that song sees Freddie playing on the acoustic guitar fantastically well, if I may say so myself. So this song would never see the light of day on a stage. And I got to say, a lot of those songs that don't get played live, I find myself thinking, man, I wish I would have had one moment to hear that. And we do see occasional one-offs where the boys will play something very seldom live. And those are a rare treat. But in this case, I don't feel like we're really missing out because this doesn't feel like Queen. But some fun facts about Man on the Prowl. Fred Mandel, who we heard from on Radio Gaga, and we'll hear from him again, he rocks out the piano on this track in the closing. There's no Roger on backing vocals here either. That's a bit of a surprise. And this was originally planned as the fifth and final album single and even had a release date of November 19th of 84. Promo copies were pressed and sent. But the band opted for their Christmas single, Thank God It's Christmas, on which this became a B-side. And I think that was a good decision. Honestly, I think I would have picked a different song for the B-side. Yes, this song has fantastic energy. We're not disputing that. Freddie's performance is fantastic. I love his vocal dynamics here. This just doesn't feel like a classic Queen number in a very unique way. Because again, we have so many songs that are dynamic and diverse in their catalog. And while this certainly also is one of those songs, it's just that much further removed from the classic Queen energy. I have some band critique here. I have a lot of comments from Brian. It was all from the same convention that he made those comments as well. But I'm actually going to open with comments from Fred Mandel himself. And this is from Is This the Real Life in 2011 about his piano playing. Quote, Freddie and I both played on Man on the Prowl, but Fred said to me, why don't you take over later and play that rock and roll stuff? You do that better than me. Besides, they will all think it's me, darling. (laughs) I didn't care. I was being paid, unquote. So Fred, good sport there. And honestly, his playing, phenomenal. And not something Freddie could have done. Freddie was a fantastic pianist especially considering his own sentiment about himself. He never thought he was that great, but many around him, most if not all around him, praised his playing. But I think when you listen to that rock and roll, that really classic rock and roll pounding piano, very fast staccato notes, that is not something everyone can do. I don't think I've ever heard Freddie take on the piano like that. So Fred's contribution certainly a welcome one here. I think it puts the cherry on top of this track. And here is Brian at the fan club convention in 2015. A lot to say about the abrupt ending of this song in addition to Fred's singing. Bear with me. This is long. And I even, I condensed this and it's still very long. Here we go. 
Quote, it's so amazing to hear Freddie singing so beautifully. My God, he's really in the swing and he's doing his Elvis impersonation in a sense, but with a lot more besides, and it's beautifully performed, amazing, and there's some nice little rock and roll effects on it. Freddie, by that time, didn't really think he was a good piano player, which is odd, isn't it? But for that kind of rock and roll scat playing, it wasn't his thing. So he got someone in to do it for him which I think was Mike Moran. And I'm surprised that Brian said that, given the fact that this was Fred Mandel, but continuing on. You've already recorded the backing track. You've done some singing on it, and it was tape. So when you finished your backing track, normally you would chop it out. When you're doing the overdubs, you hope that you've left enough space on the beginning and on the end to cover everything. In this case, the track went on and on and on and on, and eventually the backing track stops, but Mike with his overdubbing is still going on. So he goes, dingy, 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 and the tape runs out, so you hear this very sharp cutoff, because there ain't no tape. Roger actually loved this effect. I think we used it on a couple of occasions just to stop things as a way of ending a song. We thought fading out tracks which was very much done in the 60s and 70s, was a bit of a cop-out. We didn't really like fade-outs, and sometimes you can't come to the end of a song and give it a conclusion, so cutting the tape is another way of doing it. So yes, this song has a very abrupt end. It doesn't even feel like it ends appropriately. It doesn't, it doesn't come to a wrapped up conclusion, which the boys were so good at live. There's no cap on the end of this. There's no bookend. It just cuts. And what Brian is saying implies that this was intentional, or at least they used it to their advantage. And maybe that's the case. I get the feeling that when they cut the tape and then Fred came back, or as Brian said, Mike Morin, when When the piano was put on to the end of this with all of that scat playing, that you're on a roll, you're playing, you're doing all these riffs, you're doing all these rolls, there's these incredible glissandos through it, and then you just, you don't have any more tape to do anything, so it just stops. And you're not going to go back and record it again, so it just stops. I think this was a little bit more of an accidental abrupt ending, and the guys just kind of went with it. It does... It's a little bit jarring, if I'm honest. And and I find it interesting that Roger and perhaps some of the others thought this was a great way to end the song. It would have fared better, I think, if they'd come up with a way to wrap this up. And maybe it would have felt cliche. Maybe it would have felt too forced or expected. And so, therefore, the way this ended up sounding was a little bit more interesting. I, I don't know what. But again, once you cut that tape, there's really nothing you can do. It's just over. It's over. It's done. Interesting comments from Brian there. And I love that he talks about Fred's singing there as well. I wish I had some more comments from some of the other boys, but I don't. Not even from our composer. It's all Brian, mostly, except for Fred's, Fred Mandel's comments. I do have some critique and comments, though, from Music Press. Fan sentiment, here we go. The how dare they stuff. This is often criticized as an inferior crazy little thing called love. It just is. That's the general consensus is this is a weaker track on the works and in Queen's entire catalog. Sandy Robertson of Sounds in the review for the works entirely said, wrote rather, quote, and doesn't Man on the Prowl have the rockabilly echo quiven of 
funny little thing called love <laughs> glued to its bum, <laughs> unquote. I remember reading that before, getting a kick out of it. First of all, wrong title, funny little thing called love, but not an inaccurate statement, really. And fans aren't quite as harsh or direct, but this sentiment is the same. This is a lackadaisical effort in comparison to Freddie's crazy little thing, brilliance. It does feel that way, even though I enjoy it. When I'm running and I'm listening to this song on this album, it's one of those tracks that, because of its fast pace, its great BPM there, the drums are live. There's a lot more live feeling to this. And I love Freddie's vocal performance. So it is a lot of fun, but not as much queen. However, I do have some praise. Peter, I've been butchering Peter's last name since this all started. Pewterbach. I'm going with Pewterbach. Peter of Rolling Stone included this in the album Highlights, writing, quote, for the doubters, the surprises are in the comely melody and relative restraint of keep passing the open windows, which we'll talk about later, and the straight up 50s rocking of Man on the Prowl. So Peter liked it. And that was Rolling Stone. I think that's a pretty big deal. Rolling Stone, of course, not typically huge fans of Queen in general. And that goes all the way back to the very beginning of their rise to stardom. And we're going to get into the song Nitty Gritty right now. The drums. Oh, my. That lead in fill. Just lovely. Real drums. Dynamic. That performance from Roger. Thank you. And Freddie. Hey, and that boogie-woogie bass. John doesn't miss a beat or a style. This man. And Freddie on piano here. He does take the piano through most of this, tackling those chords like a pro. I'm gonna take a little walk on the wild side. I'm gonna loosen up and give me some gas. This is a pretty predictable chord structure. Tonic to the fifth. And it's rocking and partying, and we get the sense that Freddie is ready to kick it. But then on the fourth chord... My baby left me alone. She done me dirty and I'm feeling so lonely. First of all, this delivery and that falsetto accent at the end, Freddie's ex his execution is immaculate. So come on, come on. If you don't, you're gonna break my heart. What happened here? Freddie was relaxed and cool and a bit crazy. And then we finally get it. He's genuinely sad and he's lonely. An interesting contrast against the invigorated musical arrangement. We haven't heard Brian yet. The pause at the conclusion of the verse. That's a brilliant snappy breath as Freddie comes in. Man on the prowl, yeah. You better watch out. Another wonderful vocal trick with that falsetto. He does it really well. So look out, yeah, yeah, look out. Nice stylistic touches. I'm a man on the prowl. That was a fantastic sinking on John's bass there, and Roger perfectly accents every expression with a crash, necessary pause. He's so good at that. As Brian once said, what was it? The buttery texture in a performance. Second verse. I wanna go to the movies. All I wanna do is sit on my head. <laughs> Tell us, Freddie, we've all been there. In fact, it took me forever to realize there's a swear word there. I had to read the lyrics to catch that. Wonderful backing vocal accents, again, filling those gaps with Roger and John holding the fort 
at the bottom. Even in this basic rockabilly performance, it's still impressive to hear just how fantastic Roger and John sound in this. They can play anything and they're always locked in, I was going to say tighter than a drum. (laughs) They can play anything. And as we shift from the second chorus into the bridge, John jumps up an octave to that tonic and we go full on 50s rock and roll. Well, I keep a dream about my baby, but I ain't gonna get me nowhere. Sweeping ooze, crescendo into ba, ba. And Freddie's piano here is grinding and beaming, glittering in those 16th notes, I think. Tons of symbols that I just noticed. Raj is a genius again, those buttery things happening. I gotta teach my baby dancing, but I am not Fred Astaire. Do you know how long it took me to realize what he was saying there again? I love Fred Astaire. So baby, look out. We have a flatted seventh chord here that's a nice refresher at the end of this. And Fred's dynamic vocal performance. I haven't talked about his voice enough. It really is something in this song. Effortless, aggressive, but tender, clear as a bell, strong, and then soft, a bit timid. He does it all with such ease, and we have a moment where he pulls it back. Yeah, yeah. As Brian finally teases with a few notes on the fifth, that D. But Freddie bursts in again. Baby, 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 look out. Brian, you wonderful man. It's almost weird hearing him on this Telecaster, but his style and flair with all those licks, that lyrical tone, bent notes. Baby, come on. The way Freddie slides into that and Brian soars on that bent chord that rings makes a few more bright chord statements too. Cause I'm a man proud. And then Fred Mandela rise, sliding, bursting, screaming on that piano, all those glissandos, doing things Freddie probably couldn't do with such panache, but shh. <laughs> Very improvised, bluesy, intense. We hear Brian on his red special growling in with those accents at the end. Roger and John continue jamming. This gets louder and more raucous as it carries on. Freddie's piano shifts to the left as Fred's piano and Brian's guitar take center stage. And after one final yeah from Freddie, Fred on piano pounds and bangs what sounds like sheer sonic nonsense and madness on the piano as the rest of the instruments fade out and suddenly it just cuts. It ends. (laughs) And that's where we end this fun little number. It's interesting. As much as I love it now, I love it more now than I used to. It's still not a standout track. And I think it's entirely because, again, echoes of crazy little thing, which I think most of us would much rather hear, much prefer to hear. but. Check this out, Man on the Prowl. Tell me what you think. Do you like this? Does it just feel all inferior? Are you reminded too much of the brilliance from previous Freddie on the guitar? And what did he say? He always joked he could only do three chords. And ironically, this song is pretty much a three-chord song. It's got that structure. It's got that classic rock and roll structure. Rockabilly structure. But anyway, check it out, Man on the Prowl. I wish there was a live performance. I I suppose there's a part of me that wishes maybe we'd had one or two instances of this. But all you got is the studio version. Tell me what you think. In the meantime, I will be back. Oh, you know what? We just closed outside one. 
of this album. And because there's only nine songs, we've got five more tracks to go through as we wrap it up. We'll be kicking off next, the next side, (laughs) the next side. I think I'm a little bit of a space cadet today. We're going to kick off side two with a song that is, I think, quite unique in their catalog and has the distinction of being, well, okay, I'll tell you guys when I start talking about that number next time, but it's, it's not a number that gets a lot of attention, but for me personally, it has a special place in my heart, and I'll tell you guys why. Next time, we kick off another Queen Deep Dive, but keep yourselves alive. I hope you have a wonderful day, evening, night, a starry one a shiny one. And I'll be back next time. I need to figure out something new to say at the end of these. Is it a comfort that I say the same thing over and over again? Or should I always end it with something different like, kick it? Maybe that should be it. After all, we are talking about rock and roll. Kick it. That just doesn't feel like enough of a bookend. But all right, you guys. (laughs) Next time.